hadn't died the other day, I wouldn't have had to go buy another one that I haven't had time to set up yet because I moved to Puerto Rico and there's literally a leaf blower right outside making noise, but it's beautiful. There's palm trees and we got some guy that just stumbled in here for this show that looks utterly clueless, just like the rest of us. And so this is Nifty Show number 40. Seven. Looking into the future, what do we see? It's lined with digital collectibles, we call them NFTs. Games, trading cards, digital art, and those crypto kitties. Travis and Joel are the hosts you'll know. Travis and Joel say this won't blow. They're locked and loaded, so ready, set, go! It's the Nifty, really kind of spiffy. The Nifty Show. Clueless, dude. You look like one heck of a snoochy booch. I'm telling you, that that opening graphic speaks to my heart and soul right there. Yeah. That's why I feel so welcome in the crypto community. Ever since we announced through Deadline on Tuesday that we're going to open Jay and Silent Bob's crypto studio, uh, the reaction on social media, there have been a lot of people outside the crypto community who are like, you're bad. And then everyone inside the crypto community has been like, welcome, brother. And watching the opening credits, man, it's just joy. It's all the things that appeal to me. Like I remember when I was a kid and they would start like the credits for like uh, football on fucking Saturday and stuff. Da, 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 you know, that shit. Oh, I, you know, turn me off right away because there's nothing about it that speaks to me. But every graphic that you had, including the fun little song and stuff, really spoke to me and made me go like, yes, this is why I'm in this space. It reminds Welcome me home. Welcome yeah, home. it really is a welcome home kind of feeling. Thank you for that. Well, uh, for, you know, you need no introduction. It's Kevin Smith, guys. Yes, that Kevin Smith, you know, film uh, director, actor, acting, uh, and, uh, you know, clerks, dog. I like to think of myself, Joel, how old are you? I am 56. So I like to, you'll understand this reference. I like to think of myself as the modern day Charles Nelson Riley. Does that work? <laughs> what was that show? Do you remember Uncle Croc's Block when we were? Yes, kids? yes. Um, I just it was a crocodile in a, a full body suit with that voice. The uh, I just remember like being a kid and seeing him on game show after game show, and being like asking my dad like, "What is he from?" And my dad's like, "Game shows," and like you know, he he just became person that like i guess he started somewhere he must have had a clerks in his past but he went beyond his job and became the content which i always found kind of fascinating dude so, you know what that means that means you're going to become the middle square on uh, hollywood square that's true no that means i gotta fight paul lynn for it man he's the other dry acerbic he's wit who gone, the middle square true. i don't, I, I don't know though kevin you got there's some other snoochy booches out here but, uh, <laughs> Look at this. Well, see, now I have to find a new job because there's competition. I don't know who's the snoochiest of the booches, but it's one of us. Gentlemen, I'd like to buy your NFT. <laughs> How much <laughs> ether for this, my friend? All of it. We, we, uh, Joel says, oh, we're going to do this thing with Kevin Smith here in a few minutes. Go make an NFT. Go make a Photoshop something real quick. <laughs> I was, so I was like, that was very subpar Photoshop skills. Like That was like a three-minute Photoshop job, guys. I had to do that quickly. Better than I could ever do, man. <laughs> Sold the joke. And in fact, it not being a great job made it an even better bit. So, Let's go. Let's go. 
Well, dude, you are you welcome to the NFT world, uh, which is really, you know, the the next media play, right? Because basically NFTs are programmable media. And what I like about what you're doing with Jay and Silent Bob is it it's not another me too launch, right? You see a lot of celebrities and wait, what does me too mean in your world? Because it means a lot different in my world. (laughs) Ah before that happened. Me too meant, oh, I'm going to do this also because it's the hot thing and everybody's doing it. Right. So, Synonym for copycat, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. copycat. Better, so to better be term. Because <laughs> in the internet world, you know, we're just nerds. We don't have that, you know, we don't have the problem Hollywood. There's no problems like that. I, I'll be honest, like, um, I, you know, I think it's an, all art is a copycat world. You see somebody do something and then even if you're like, oh, I could do it better, I'd like to do it different. You got to see it in order to be it, right? So uh, there's nothing innately wrong with being copycats. I just didn't like the idea of, and and, and I have no judgment against anybody. I just didn't want to be perceived as a tourist because once David David Shapiro, who's my partner at Semcorp, once David like kind of approached me about like gently, very gently, we've made a movie together. Kilroy was here, which figures prominently in our story. So we were finishing up that movie. We started shooting it before I had a heart attack, uh, finished shooting it after I had a heart attack. Then I went and shot Jane and Silent Bob reboot, and then we toured it. So during the quarantine, we had time down. We were just working on finishing Kilroy, take it traditional marketplace, take it out and you know try to sell it to Netflix, Hulu, whatever, one of the streamers, one of the studios. So David reached out to me and he was like, can I have a conversation with you about technology? And I was like, yeah, sure. He's like, what do you know about crypto? I was like, oh, Jason uh, Muse, the guy who stands next to me in movies in real life for the last 30 years. Jay and Jordan gave me a tiny ass percentage of a Bitcoin for Christmas, which has already gone up like 150 percent. I was like, but I be honest with you, like it's fun to look at the, the price go up. But I was like, finance scares me and I have no interest in it. And like I've never played the stock markets and stuff. I have a Robinhood account and I haven't looked at it since somebody opened it for me. Like, it's just, that's not my world. Same way, like when I watched your credits, I was like, this is my world. None of that shit ever appealed to me. So when David was like, you know, what do you know about crypto? I was like, oh, I have a piece of a Bitcoin, but like, you know me, I'm not the money guy and stuff. He goes, well, what do you know about NFTs? And I was like, what's that? And he said, non-fungible token. I was like, what is this another form of Bitcoin or something like that? He goes, well, he, he explained it thusly. He was like, imagine art as currency. And I was like, well, David, art is currency to some people. And he's like, exactly. But like, let's say you had the Mona Lisa and you wanted to go into a convenience store and you wanted to buy a big gulp. He had to use very specific dumb terms to explain to somebody like me. He's going, you can't put the Mona Lisa up on the counter and be like, I'm paying for that with this. Give me the change. Like that don't work. It's not actual, like uh, it's it's a commodity, but it's not actual currency. He's going, uh, the NFT is both beautiful to look at and it's also currency. It's like money as art. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So this is kind of like coin collecting. He goes, well, it goes beyond coin collecting because it's this and this. And as he started to explain it, I was like, well, David, this is the same shit that I've been doing since I was a kid, like collecting things. Like this is just more, collect. this is like. Yeah, like, look behind you. Like look at all this collectible. Yes, it's like, once I heard this, I'm like, this is like digital Funko. It's like the sky's the limit. You can do as many things you can. And it was Austin, my uh, daughter's boyfriend, um, who's way into crypto. He watches all the shows. He watches your show. He uh, he explained it really uh, elegantly to me because he's younger. I'm 50 years old and shit. And the idea of ownership 
you know, of a physical property is lodged in my DNA because I grew up in an era where that was a thing. And it still is. Let's be honest, everyone likes to own a thing. But Austin was explaining why the NFT and, and the metaverse, more importantly, um, are such a great combination. He was like, imagine if I like bought a sword to hang on my wall in my bedroom. He's like, I'd see it. Everybody who came in the bedroom would see it. I'd take a picture of it, put it on Instagram. And then that's it. He's going, but I couldn't take that sword and trade it for anything. Like if I wanted to sell it, I have to go on eBay and find somebody who'd want it or something. He's going, so how good is that sword to me in the real world? Now, if I have a digital sword, he's going, I could use it in a game. I could trade it like currency. I could show it off because I spend more of my time online. He's going, and you spend an inordinate amount of time online. He's going, and plus you sell like Jane, Silent Bob merchandise. I've had a comic book store for 24 years. We've been selling Jay and Bob trinkets online for 25. So he's like, so you understand like this world. He's going, it's just, you're blocked by the fact that you think it has something to do with high finance. And he's going, it, it doesn't, it's a collector's market. So then as I started talking to David about further about the Kilroy thing, he was like, I want to do a Kilroy NFT. That's like a preview for our movie. It'll build awareness, at least in the community for this movie. So that when we take it out into the marketplace to sell it to a distributor, you know, we'll have a higher profile. And I was like, well, that sounds like a good idea, man. But like, I don't know if anybody's going to seek out the Kilroy NFT. You know what I'm saying? Like they might hear about it, but I think if we were going to do something like this, like maybe we lead with a Jay and Silent Bob something. And he, his eyes lit up. He was like, I wasn't even going to dare dream to ask. He's going, but if you want to do Jay and Silent Bob NFTs, holy crap, that would be very popular. And I was like, well, the way you explain it to me, it sounds like a gallery. This could be like my online gallery. And I've got like a lot of artists that I love that we work with that we've made t-shirts with over the years. And uh, Nate all these comics you've done over the years. I mean, are you, I was that. sitting here thinking of this, like, dude, man, like Kevin Smith and his comic books, man. Like this is perfect for NFTs. Absolutely, man. Now the comic books that I own, of course, that artwork belongs to other people, but all the artwork that we've paid to generate here at, at my company and my house and stuff, that's all like, it's, if I took you around my house, it's, my walls are covered with graphic art. So the notion of like, this is a place, hold on, the fuck was that? This is a place where like, I could go and not just see beautiful art, but I could see beautiful art made of me and my friend. That's one of my favorite art pieces in the world to look at is when somebody draws Jane Silent Bob, because they always draw them as the young version of me. So like that right there, that's drawn, of course, by Captain Ribman. That's the logo of Jane Silent Bob's secret stash. And so it's us in Jane Silent Bob reboot. So I was like, ooh, what if we had a gallery where like every drop we were putting up just Jane Silent Bob pieces? Like you can go to any other galleries, Nifty Gateway and stuff like that and find various art that has nothing to do with me and my world. But here at Jane Silent Bob Crypto Studio, we could just do Jane Silent Bob themed art. And the idea would be like all of our artist friends and stuff, it's like, hey man, we provide the IP, you provide the talent, draw whatever you want, we'll mint it, make it an NFT, and then we'll have this place where people know to go if you're into Jane Silent Bob NFTs, that bam, we can expose it for you. And then, make some loot and stuff like that. So we knew we needed like a lightning rod to draw people to the site. The the Kilroy NFT, the, uh, the you know, preview thing wasn't necessarily going to do it in my imagination, but I felt like a Jay and Silent Bob thing would. And so the smoking token was born. Let's and let's I, play this here. Give a look at it. 
NFTs, NFTs. Snooch to the nooch, you non-fungible fuck. You got a smoking token number one featuring Jay and Solid Bob reboot art by Captain Ribman. This is the orange edition. So aren't you glad you bought it? Snoochy booches. This message is brought to you by Jay and Silent Bob's Crypto Studio, NFTs for you and me. I love that if the case broke, you'd be ripped, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes, you're, it's, it's, it's hot boxed, as you can see. Totally. And um, it, keep, so it keeps going here. Yeah, it does. It just flips around. And then there are three other colors, purple, uh, green, yellow. And then the fifth color is platinum. But the platinum token is different. Like they're all varying uh, numbers, quantities. I think the most is the green one. And then I think the least is the purple or yellow. But then the super least is the platinum. So I think there's only going to be 10 of those total. And the platinum token gets you a crypto cameo in Clerks 3. Crypto plays a big part in, in the world of our characters in Clerks 3. And so there's this amazing, right up front in the first 15 minutes, explanation of the world of crypto and nfts that require one of our characters to show off their crypto club Remember? now i want to ask about that right because you know in clerks one and clerks two you know there's this ethic of sort of hanging out and talking shit and refusing any sort of worldly ambition at all right and and then you know last we know we, we, we saw dante and randall and jay and silent bob was in 2006 and then we went from the quick stop and the the video store it burnt down then they went over to movies and then they got rebuilt and now we're back over at at, at you know the quick stop and and the movie and the what about now because there's no rentals anymore video rentals are gone so like what what has happened to the video store and where, where, where what universe are they in now in this view ask you world you're in uh i'll be honest with you the story of clerks three is real straightforward uh randall has a massive heart attack mm. and he goes to the hospital and he almost dies and he makes it through. And then there in the hospital, he realizes that like, Oh my God, all I've done with my life is sit around and watch movies. Like I've wasted my life. I've got nothing to show for my life. I own a little piece of a convenience store in New Jersey. I don't have a family, never got married, never had a kid like you did and stuff like that. Like I got nothing. So he's like, from now on, I'm changing that. Like I, I I'm living on borrowed time. From now on, I'm not watching any more movies. I'm going to make a movie about my life working at the convenience store. And so Dante and Randall essentially make clerks. So the movie is like this weird meta return where I get to bring back the entire old cast and in the process of telling our story, recreate like scenes from clerks using the same fucking people and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's really uh, it, it's one of the funniest things I've ever written, but I was so thankful to both David and to Austin for like introducing like NFT deep into my consciousness because then the next draft of Clerks 3 that I wrote, mm. suddenly, bam, it was running through. And that felt fresh. Like I love my script, don't get me wrong, but a lot of it's predicated on two movies you've seen and things that happened in the past. Talking about crypto, giving a character an entire crypto storyline, which like fuels the main storyline as well felt insanely fresh. And so by the time the movie people see the movie, it will be a, a lot more mainstream and people will understand the references probably. But even if they don't, that's fucking cool. You know, when we made Mallrats, we were making references to the comic book community that wouldn't be understood by the mainstream for another decade. Chasing Amy, we were talking about 
inkers and pencilers, you know, like talking about really minuscule, deep inside baseball stuff. So I let Austin read the Clerks 3 script, man, because I was like, as a crypto guy, does this read like somebody, you know, trying too hard? Does it do I sound like a tourist? And he was like, oh, my God, no, they're going to love you, man, because you're shining a fucking light on him, man. Like you're 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 using one character like the Randall character is like the rest of the world who's like, fuck this beanie baby shit. And then fucking the other <laughs> character is just like, you have no idea this is the future. And it winds up playing an integral part like in the movie. So when we introduce that notion, we introduce like uh, one of the characters is talking about his crypto club and we show the 10 people in his crypto club, like in a very Martin, Martin Scorsese, bang, 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 bang. So whoever wins the platinum tokens, they're going to be the members of, of the crypto club in the movie. And boom, they get up there on the screen with the rest of us and stuff. So it felt like a fun thing to do. Like this is, this makes it fun. Like, you know, if we're going to do this, this adds an element to it. That's not just like, let's get in there and get cash and get the fuck out. Not at all. This is like in for the long haul. So first drop, is to like treat people to like the introduce them to Jane and Bob's crypto studio. And the big news is, is the the platinum token because shit, you could wind up in a movie. The now second that's super uh, cool. Let, let's, let's look at that, Kevin. Okay. So first of all, people who want to participate in this, this is launching on the Phantasma chain, which mm. is a fantastic chain, uh, phantasma.io. We've had Scott Gallagher from Phantasma on the show previously and shown you the cool racing game that's built on their, uh, their platform. They do NFTs. And if you go to phantasma.io, you can easily set up a wallet. But if you'll click right here where it says clerk NFTs, April, 21th the 21th of april then uh, it'll load up the details here that kind of shows you how this whole thing is uh set up to work barring bandwidth not loading things come on bandwidth it's coming i promise there we go so what you've got front and center here is this Kilroy is here NFT. This is like, this. the spotlight's on this, but there's also the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. So kind of makes sense of everything that's happening here for us. Yeah, it's uh, basically when we were coming up designing uh, what our drops would look like every month, we figure our lightning rod is the smoking tokens. Since there's a series of them, hopefully that keeps people coming back and stuff. And each one says something different and stuff like that. So then um, we also, of course, incorporated David's original idea, which was to do a Kilroy sneak preview, which our boy Dante made. And it's absolutely beautiful. If you click on it, like it opens up and you can see an actual piece of footage from the movie. Kilroy, I thought Kilroy was here. So he's back. He's here now. He's like, yeah, he was. It, it, well, for this, they're calling it Kilroy is here for this NFT. But the movie is called Kilroy was here, of course. Okay. So we've got uh, the smoking tokens. We've got the Kilroy NFT. There's a four pack of the tokens that comes with a shirt in the real world. If you want to do that, collect all the tokens at once. And then um, the main focus of Jay and Silent Bob Crypto Studio for me, or at least what I'm kind of, this is my dream for it. Every month we introduce a new artist, a new featured artist who's doing a Jay and Silent Bob or movie or VSC Universe or Smodco themed piece of artwork. That's the only artwork we'll ever display on our, our site is stuff that's themed to our movies or us. So um, in doing that, um, we'll be able to first tap every artist we know and work with who do fantastic stuff like Captain Ribman. He's doing the initial um, featured artist piece. So the same guy that did the smoke and token art did the blunt man and chronic uh, cover. 
So that's the featured artist for the first drop. Um, we make a, you know, an open minting on that or a certain amount. I think it's open minting. I forget what David was saying, but like there'll be a few of those to buy. Um, in the next drop, uh, Captain Ribman will get his own little category on the site. So you click on it and you jump into his gallery and he'll have the second Blunt Man and Chronic comic book that you can buy. And then we'll also have a new spotlighted artist. And in drop two, that's going to be my boy, Nate Gonzalez, who does all of our artwork for Fat Man Beyond. He did this beautiful crypto mofo, mo, crypto mofo piece, which is great with Jay and Silent Bob. So boom, his category starts with his first piece. Third drop, now there's a new piece by Captain Ribman, a second piece by Nate, and then a piece by a new artist that we introduce uh, for that month. And that's my dream is to build just this entire gallery of all these artists who are just drawing me and Jay over and over again, particularly in our younger ages, that I can enjoy and keep on my phone and whatnot. Like I've got fan art all over this office and this is no different, man. But the difference here is most people draw a piece of fan art for you, give it to you. And it was all about their time. You know, they're not getting paid for it. They just love you so much. They're like, here, this is a way for us to be like, look, do fan art. We'll give you the IP, draw our characters and stuff, but you're going to make loot on it as well. Because artists, man, like, you know, the starving artist is, is not a misnomer, like particularly graphic artists. And in the year that we've had with the world being shut down and people not being able to go to comic book shows or any place to sell their wares, it's been tough. For people to like kind of get their graphics out there the nft marketplace has changed that for a lot of people i know there's some complaints by some people who are like i didn't make as much money as other people have made and stuff i mean i i'm not in it for the money man like i was talking on the other shows as well like i don't get me wrong i'm i'm a capitalist at heart i have a store i like to make money but that's never the drive like i I like to do things that are just fun and haven't been done before. So us jumping into the space when I was like, David, what if we sold Kilroy as an NFT instead of just like, you know, we could do the preview one, but would it be possible to sell the movie as an NFT? And he was like, well, right now the technology wouldn't allow you to get the entire movie like onto one NFT. I said, but what if the idea was we make a gorgeous fucking Kilroy NFT that grants the owner of that NFT ownership in the real world mm-hmm. of of Kilroy was here. The same you can totally the, do that. Yeah, but yeah, you can actually do something where you have multiple NFTs. Maybe you have like you know 12, 13 NFTs, they collect them all and they merge them together to create the movie NFT. That's so then what, they want to create, they want to buy both of them. They or they want to buy multiples of each one of those NFTs along the way so they can hold those and then merge them all together to create that the uh, the final movie version that is fucking dope and whoever wins this when we drop it next month hopefully they listen to that and do that like because now it's theirs now the movie will be theirs to exploit any way they want both in the world of blockchain but also outside the blockchain in the real world i think this particular nft offers the the bearer the ability to do something that most nfts don't most NFTs, you're kind of dealing with their worth and value in crypto world. This will have its crypto worth, but then outside of the crypto world, in the real world, you can also monetize it. You know, that's like getting a second bite at the apple. And let's be honest, we do this for a month. We keep talking about this. People hear about this. The profile of the movie only goes up and up and up. So whoever winds up winning the movie is easily going to be able to make a deal with a distributor, a streamer, or they can learn how to do it themselves. If they're like, 
I've always wanted to be in the movie business. Now I got a free movie for my troubles for buying an NFT. So let's gamble. Let's have some fun. So like you get a chance to bring somebody into a completely different industry altogether. You know, this, the NFT playground, we've seen, you know, wonderful stories about people whose lives have been completely fucking changed. Same thing here. Yeah, exactly. So same thing here. Like not only will it change like in crypto world, but you could, you could wind up being like a distributor in the real world, or suddenly you have a relationship with Netflix or HBO, whoever you wind up selling it to. Because all we did when we sold Clerks at Sundance back in 1994 was sell it to Miramax, and then they exploited it. And then I was there on hand to do press and promotion for them. Same thing here. Whoever buys the NFT and wins the movie, I'm on call to do promotion whenever you need. So if you need yeah. me to do a bus tour, boom. You need me to go out and promote it, boom, and stuff. That no poses a question here. I had, I had this question lined up for you. So your budget for clerks was $27,575 that you put from like 12 credit cards that you've leveraged, right? Yeah. And, he, and then you you it earned over $3 million, which was like a, that's like a 100x ROI. You won an award at Sundance. Then you met up with Harvey Weinstein, who offered to buy the film. So our question is, what kind of sexy shit did he make you do for that? Oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'll, I'll joke it aside on that one. I, I want to say that it, it did lead to something good on your end because you've been working with these women in film and donating and doing some, some good stuff on that. So I want to say good on you because you took a bad scenario and you spun it around and made it great. It was, it was weird. Like, you know, at a certain point when that story broke, I had to deal with the fact. And again, like my problems don't mean a fucking hill of beans in the face of what all the people who actually dealt with Harvey went through, the people he assaulted and raped. But, you know, I'm sitting there going like my entire film legacy was in this man's hands. Like Clerks was bought by Miramax. Everyone knows my name because they bought that movie. So for the first like week, I was like, oh man, like what, what does one do? Can't unmake the movies. If I could go back in time and they'd be like, uh, you can have everything and lay out my life for the last 25, 27 years for me, but a bunch of people are gonna get fucking hurt, attacked or worse. I wouldn't have done it, man. Like I'm, I was raised kind of Catholic and shit and I don't really follow that shit anymore, but like I read comic books and I've read them my whole life and I got a moral barometer and that shit wouldn't have sat right with me. So. I was carrying around for a minute and then I was like, you know what? We get like, uh, you know, uh, what do they call Back end. Cause the movie's so fucking old. The movies that we did with the, with the Miramax and stuff were done in the nineties. So the back end, the residuals that you get from the movie, if they like, we sold it in Germany, you get a check for, you know, fucking 200 bucks or whatever. Any money that came in, I decided to give to the organization, uh, women in film. And that certainly it's, it doesn't make what Harvey did you know, fucking well, better. I think everybody knows Hollywood's a little seedy. You know, it's like it's... Yeah, but it doesn't have to be. That's the point. It's like that, a fucker like that ruins it for everybody else. Right. Where it's like, what do we do in this field except get to play as adults, make pretend. And I don't mean play like, hey, fucking harass somebody and get their clothes off. I mean, you're breathing rarefied fucking air when you come in this world and suddenly you figure out, like, I get paid to make pretend I was going to do that shit anyway, man. Mm. Who would fuck with that except an animal like that who decided, like, that wasn't enough and then ruins it in that world? So how many people have fucking left that business because of people like him or other people like Scott Rudin, who they just read, you know, I read about in Hollywood Reporter who fucking throws food at assistant's head and phones and shit like that. Mm. So whenever I do a production, like, I always try to make it fucking time of po folks lives because number one 
They're going to remember that moment. They're going to remember the time you spent doing that thing. It doesn't matter what happens to the movie ultimately. Like, it doesn't matter if it's a financial success or a financial failure. What matters is like, while you make the thing, you're treating people with dignity, everyone's having a good time. That's the only reason to do this shit. You can make money a thousand, a hundred thousand different ways in this fucking world. Easier than like fucking trying to be an entertainer or make art for a living or something like that. So if you're ever in that position, you get lucky enough to get inside and you hear about fuckers like that, there's nothing but disdain, man, because you're like, you don't have it good enough, you fucking prick. You didn't win the lottery of life enough by getting paid to make pretend you make movies for a living and you want more, you greedy piece of shit. Mm -hmm. That's why you're one of the good guys, man. So thank you. I I, I don't like, I I don't, I never consider myself one of the the good guys as much as like, I just like, it should be fun. That's why I got into it. I used Mm -hmm. to watch the cannonball run movies with my old man and my old man was quiet and a very circumspect guy. I love him to death, but he didn't talk an awful lot. My, my sister says I stole silent Bob from him. But during the Cannonball Run movies, whenever you get to the end credits and they do the bloopers, the outtakes, my old man would go crazy. Like it was the funniest shit in the world he'd ever seen. And when somebody's laughing, you see who they truly are. That's them unleashed, pure. They're not putting up their facade anymore. He wasn't presenting himself as my father. He was just a guy who was fucking laughing at some shit, made him, made him fucking giggle. And I would see how much joy it made him. And plus those clips just look fucking fun. Like the movie itself was fun, but then seeing everybody cracking up while making the movie, that kind of shit like made me want to get into the movie business. I didn't get into the movie business because I was like, I want to be rich, bitch. I got in the movie business because I was like, that looks way more fucking fun than working in a convenience store. I'd much rather make pretend with a bunch of people and do some silly shit. So it always infuriates me when somebody gets in the space and acts not just entitled, because there are a lot of entitled people in our fucking business and stuff. And I'm sure I've got some entitlement built up in me somewhere as well. But it's the people that fucking abuse the space and more importantly, abuse others in the space. Make it not fun for them because there's no worse fucking sin in this world than chasing somebody who had joy and passion for something away from it. You always want to keep them as involved as possible, man, because two paths in this world. You got creation, you got destruction. The destruction path is fucking crowded because people live there because it's easy to destroy things. It's easy to mock things. The creation path is wide fucking open because it requires that you put yourself out there a little bit. It requires you risk your dignity, your respectability, your self-esteem because people won't try a thing. Cause like, what if that thing don't work? What if I fail? Fuck you. What if it's successful? Like you're talking to the guy who made clerks. If I was sitting there going, what if it doesn't work? We wouldn't be having this conversation today. And I use myself as an example, not because I'm brilliant, but because I'm a fucking chimp in real life. I know how unspecial I am. And yet, because I took a step toward art, Art embraced me and I've been doing it for 27 years and I haven't had to have a real fucking job or a nine to five or anything like that. So whenever somebody disrupts that happy playing field, comes into the theater and shits on the stage, so to speak, it's just fucking repugnant to somebody who's like, don't you get it? Aside from the damage you've done to another human being, yourself as piece of shit, you've also just fucking ruined something pure, man. People come here because they want to fucking be kids forever. And I don't mean like immature, although there are some people in this business that treat it that way, but they don't, they see the hustle that the world is that like my father lived through. My father worked at the post office his whole fucking life and he hated it, hated every minute of the job, but he didn't think about what's going to make me fulfilled because he was only thinking about what's going to pay for my family's bills. That's, that was him. I asked him once, I was like, dad, what did you want to do when you were my age? What were your dreams? And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, what, what did you dream about doing? He didn't dream about working at the post office. 
And he was like, I dreamed about getting married and having a family. And the post office was just how I paid for that shit. And unfortunately, the next generation, which was me, was was not satisfied with just like, well, I got to get a job and that'll pay for the things I love. I wanted the job to be the thing that I fucking loved. I watched my father slave and toil with slave as we shouldn't even use that word toil at his fucking job for years, man, hating every second of it like never wanting to go, always trying to call out. And he never once sat me down and said, Kev, you should make movies. Like he didn't dream like that. But the example of his life deeply affected me where I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to work at a job that I can't stand where the only happiness I have is when I was at my, at my house. If I'm going to, I'm going to try to take a shot. I'm going to try to succeed at doing something that is fun and maybe profitable. And going into making clerks, I was never like, I'm going to get rich. I just wanted to tell a story. I'd seen so many movies and I was like, I want to try one. I think I could do one. And it's set at this job I'm working at. So it's not going to cost me much, much, much money. Let's give it a shot. So once I got in and, it, and you know, you find like, oh my God, this is going to work. Like you feel like you're getting away with something. Like you're a scam artist where you're like, I can't believe they fucking pay me to write snoochie boochies. This is fucking nuts. So I was appreciative <laughs> enough with that, like, never mind getting greedy, never wanting more money and shit like that. And believe me, I'm handsomely comp compensated from time to time. Um, the good money, the big money I used to make those years behind me in terms of motion pictures. Now, the biggest coin I make is standing on a stage talking, like just live performance. That's where I make a majority of my fucking money. You're muted, Joel. You're muted, Joel. He's it's silent, Joel. <laughs> yeah, you're taking I, thought, I was wondering if you guys would pick up on that joke. Okay. Silent Joel, you'll hear from say, the lawyer. <laughs> I, I, this is, I mean, th this is our whole mantra for what we do, what we've done our whole careers. I've got the whole uh, adulting thing figured out, but growing up ain't never going to happen. This, this is it. And so I actually wrote a book called The Fun Formula as the key to succeeding in business in life. And Travis and I, the reason that our other show is called the bad crypto podcast is because we tell bad dad jokes all the time. We don't know stuff. We actually, after four years of doing crypto, we actually know a couple things, but we're not financial advisors. We're a couple dudes that love talking about crypto and sharing this with people. Uh, so I, I love your approach to it. It explains your success. Screw those other people who aren't willing to take risks. And, and it's not even it's it's not even so much screw those people. To me, I'm just like, this isn't uh, here. They miss out. I, I've been around for 25 years in media, so I know this. In about 10 fucking minutes, all of my industry is going to descend on on crypto. Once they smell there's money and that it has something vaguely to do with what they do in terms of art, they're going to be all over this shit. So like when David started telling me about it. Not only was I thinking about the here and now, but like, you know, you guys were talking about, like, there's a way to split up a movie amongst a bunch of NFTs. And instantly I was like, hey, man, maybe this could be a place to play. Mm -hmm. Because like, if I'm speaking their language, just like I spoke the language of the comic book community and was completely fucking embraced and have been embraced by them for like since my career began. So I was like, maybe if I'm going into the crypto space and speaking the crypto language, walking the walk and talking the talk, this is a place for me to go. I described it as like Krypton, Never mind crypto. Like my industry is dying and exploding every fucking year. You know, unless you're Marvel, Disney, Harry Potter, or fucking DC, like you ain't got any guarantees at the box office anymore, man. So like in a world where the Arclight and Pacific theaters just went out of business, that's fewer places to even show my stuff, even if I do get to make it. So I'm looking for a place like a new home. And when David started explaining crypto to me, I was like, 
this sounds like a place where I can go and make stuff. Like if, you know, art is art. So right now, most NFTs is a graphic uh, representation. They put some movement into it and stuff, but it's one image. But like, give it two years, man, you're going to be able to fit an entire feature onto an NFT, probably one or something yeah, like Kevin, that. Yeah, Kevin, it already is, bro. It's like, I, I explain it like this. It's advanced media. It yes. can be video, images, text, audio, links. It can be AR, VR, 360. It can be whatever you can imagine and can program into a smart contract. It can be geo proximity based. It can unlock when you're in certain areas. It can be time released. You can, there's so many levels to an NFT that most people haven't even begun to connect the dots on yet, bro. Can it get you high? That's what. Does, yeah, sure. well, well, smoking token probably. The smoking token, if you break that box open, you'll definitely get that. So you 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 so reverse something right. here. Here's what I want. I want to make sure people know this because you're doing another film, and the the the, the grand prize here is a cameo in that film if they get that token. So how do they know? You know, how do they find that token? Uh, so the platinum token. There's only going to be ten of them in the first uh, two drops, I think. Uh, in the first drop, I think we're auctioning off three. So there'll be auctions. Um, and then two of the platinum tokens were just hiding from a good suggestion that came from Joel to David, my partner. We're hiding two of the platinum tokens, one with the Kilroy NFT, the sneak preview NFT, not the movie t NFT, and one amongst the multiple colors of the smoking token. So let's say you bought an orange smoking token that we hid the platinum with. Not only do you get the, your smoking token that you paid for, but then you get this bonus golden ticket thing. And suddenly you're in a fucking movie and you weren't even trying. Mm. But if you don't want to be that person who's like luck of the draw, you can also uh, bid for it when we do the auction. Um, so if they win that platinum token, do they get to be part of the VSQ universe then and, and get to be in all the movies from now on? Because it's kind of like you got you running with your homies over there. That's right, man. Once you're in the VSQ universe, you will get referenced from now until the end of time. And the storyline that like includes the cameos is it's um, I don't know if I should spoil it. We have we have a character in Clerks 2 uh, named Elias who came uh, joined them. They, he didn't work at the convenience store. The boys, he joined them at movies. And he's our very, uh, you know, conservative Christian character as, as he was depicted in Clerks 2. But this time around, he has a deep, deep passion for blockchain so he is part of a um what he, what first uh, I, I don't want to spoil it. he's part of a of a crypto club um there's two a word before it and it starts as one word and then changes to another word halfway through the movie uh, halfway through the movie but he has a crypto club and he the whole movie he is extolling the virtues poetically of of nfts in the world of crypto but Randall, who is a 50-year-old man, is just like, fuck your beanie baby pog nonsense. Like, he just nice. completely fucking puts it down. That's exactly what he would say. Dude, imagine this. Imagine this, a future film. You know how you, you break the fourth wall all the time, the third wall all the time. You're like, you, know, you guys are vamping for the camera always. Fourth, you were right. You were right. It's fourth. Fourth wall. Fifth wall. Just break all the walls down. Break so, them all down. <laughs> so in the in the future, what you could do is when people come to see the film, you could actually have them flash a QR code at the screen. And the people in the audience, if they're paying attention, they can scan it and grab an NFT from the film right there while they're watching. Joel, have you been invading my dreams? That's absolutely <laughs> That is absolutely something that we're playing with, man. When oh, I say beautiful. crypto plays a big part in the story, man, it's 
it's not going to be off-putting for somebody that doesn't know the world the same way that when I referenced comic books in 1995, it wasn't off-putting for people that weren't deeply entrenched in the world. But for anybody deeply entrenched in the world, it's a bounty of jokes written just for them, almost as if they've written them themselves and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's fun, man. It also gave me something new to talk about. Like, that's what I was really excited about, too. Not only did Crypto and Jane and Bob Crypto Studio and teaming up with David and Phantasma Chain give me a new project to work on and create this gallery, which we've got like 10 fucking drops planned for already. Um, but it also like gave me new content for Clerks 3. The first draft of Clerks 3 had no uh, crypto in it whatsoever. And it's the poorer for it. The current draft by the you second totally draft, elevated the game. You, you up leveled that shit. It, it, and, it, and it benefited me. Like it gave me something to talk about in the movie, which was fresh and new and finger on the pulse. So much of my stuff is based on sentimentality and nostalgia and things we did in the past. So being able to have a character speak about something that even to this day, you know, more than three quarters of the population are like, huh, is just good for my brand. You know, it's good for being first into a space because I'll be honest with you, like in a year's time, every TV show and every fucking movie is going to be referencing NFTs somewhere and stuff like that. So it'd be nice to be the first. I don't have to be rich. I, I I never have to be rich, but I I do want the 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 kind of acknowledgement of like he does weird shit. Like he goes places. Like you know, like years ago, I, on 1995, we created a message board at viewsq.com where I started interacting with the fan base, and that was like 10 years before fucking Twitter and social media came into play. And so like I I spent years doing that. And most of my friends are like, what a waste of time. So stupid. I was like. No, man, like these are the people that buy tickets to the movies. Mm -hmm. Like, who else am I going to this is, this is the only people I want to hear from, man. Like, fucking, and if they're interested in my shit enough to hang out on the website, they must like it. So that's who I want to spend time with. Podcasting, when that introduced itself, you know, a lot of people in my business were like, why you do it? It's free. I was like, because I got my own fucking free radio station. Nobody will tell me what to do. I can do whatever I fucking want. It's fun. Um, when I went into comics, in 1996, when I went and did Daredevil for Marvel, and then I wrote Green Arrow later on, or Green, uh, yeah, Green Arrow later on for, for DC, I remember specifically my agent going like, how much do you make to write a comic book? And I was like, oh, it's about like $200 a page. And he's like, so 2,200 pages, $200 a page, what is that? He's like, that's, that's nothing, that's a waste of time. I can get you paid way more to write a movie. And I was like, but writing a comic book is, appeals to me, the, the child in my heart and the adult, in my head like this ain't about the fucking money man it's about doing something fun if i could draw myself which i can't i wouldn't subject people to all those terrible fucking movies i make so i love graphic arts and whatnot and the idea of being able to write for the comics you know i couldn't draw it myself but my work would be there i just jump into areas all the time we took out jane silent bob reboot and red state years before that and toured it ourselves so I always like trying to go like, you know, not to, to paraphrase Star Trek where no one's gone before, like, ooh, let's try this. And so when David was explaining NFTs, I'm like, it is ex exactly like fucking Travis said. It's like, this is so multimedia. You could do anything with this. You can like fucking- It's more multimedia than multimedia. It's, it's, it's like the realest term of the realest part of the word. And as a podcaster too, I was like, this changes my game as a podcaster. I get, you know, I've got millions of, I'm probably not millions, thousands of uh well tens of thousands of episodes of smodcast at this point like 
being able to burn each one eventually onto an NFT that somebody could buy. That's a cool thing to do. Actually, Joel's son, uh, Zach, was the first one to ever do a tokenized NFT podcast mm-hmm. where you could only buy it as an NFT. Yeah. So finally aligned, it's called. And, you know, we, we were the first ones to do a proof of listening, which is something you could do on your show also. You create an NFT for an episode, and at the end of the episode or somewhere in there, you bury it to make sure they listen. Say, hey, grab this episode's NFT for the next 24 hours. That way you only get it if you're really a fan who's listening, and they go and they put their wallet address in there, and then you drop them all that NFT. Now they've got a collectible that proves they are engaged with you, and it's really a great community building tool. Fuck, man, that's that's dazzling to me. Like you're you're not only are you speaking and spitting truth, I'm stealing these ideas, gentlemen. Dude, we, we're we, giving them to you, brother. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I'll tell you what. <laughs> this rabbit hole that you've gone down, that you are clearly really entranced with, right now. There's and there's no question. This is legit. This is real. You're what you're feeling and experiencing. You're in love with NFTs it goes so deep like this is this is not this is the first step in the transformation of your career and the value you're going to bring because you're going to innovate a bunch of stuff that nobody else in hollywood has touched and it's going to be awesome it's it's just for me it's like you know i one day i'm going to stop making shit like right now i still make shit and whatnot but i always knew i'd go back to being a member of the audience i came from the audience and eventually i'll go back to sitting in the audience and so my mission over the last like 25, 27 years has always been like, one day you will stop making, you're going to get back in front of the TV and you just want to consume again. Make sure the shit you want to consume. So sow the seeds, man, like fucking be the change that you want to see and you know, inspire people to do stuff that maybe they get into it and they do their version. So then when I'm in my watching mode, I got something to watch. This feels like that so very much, like especially because like I can add things to an NFT, like I can add an audio track or whatever the fuck. But the one thing I can't do, which, you know, most NFTs are fundamentally based on is give provide a graphic. And, and so because of that, I will never be bigger than the site. You know what I'm saying? The site is always engineered more for the artist and I have the IP. And as much as I own Jane, saw Bob and movie and you come draw them and stuff, but I can't do what those people can do, no matter how hard I try. I could accentuate your NFT by putting on like, hey man, this is drawn by, as you heard, uh, uh, you know, like we, what we're doing with the smoking token, but I can't do the one thing that's required. One day I will be able to, one day I'm gonna be able to make the one thing I can do, which is make a movie and s- stick it onto an NFT, I will be able to do. But until then, I'm just gonna enjoy this fucking space as a guy with a gallery. You know, something I've always wanted to do, something we were talking about doing this year at Jane Silent Bob Secret Stash, my comic book store in Red Bank, in the real world. I was like, now we moved into a new store, we have more space. I was like, God damn it, we have so much great fan art. We should do a gallery show. And now I don't have to wait to do that in the real world. We'll literally be doing it every month with Phantasma at Jane Silent Bob Crypto Studio. Oh, that's beautiful. I, I want to I want to take one step back here because I, I have this sort of question that I was like, you know what, if I ever talked to this dude, I want to ask it because, so this is a sort of a USQ universe type of a question. So Brian O'Halloran in Clerks, he's Dante Hicks. Yeah. Then in Mallrats, he's Gil Hicks. Yes. And then in Chase and Amy, he's Jim Hicks. Yes. And then in Dogma, he's Grant Hicks. Yes. So who the hell is Hicks and what's the inside joke on this one? 
Um, it was just to the, the I guess the inside joke is just like I want to get Brian in as often as possible. And so, you know, I didn't want him to be Dante because I knew like I could still tell Dante's stories. So then each time we brought him in, I was like, all right, we'll change his name. So the first one was Gil. I think when I wrote Mall Rats, the character was just named Gil. And then once we cast Brian, I was like, let's just make it Gil Hicks. And then we started, you know, creating the Brian O'Halloran of many worlds. So there's about four four Hickses. We figure we figure they're not brothers, but they're cousins and second cousins and stuff. And they I was never, trying to figure out what the hell was that? What, what is this Hicks joke? There's got to be some guy named Hicks that they're just that they're trolling on or something. No, not at all. It was just uh, you know, it was just a way to like it, inside joke of like Jesus. That guy looks like Dante Hicks. And it's like, why? It's Grant Hicks. It's Gil Hicks. Okay. The lame dad joke that we came up with long before we were dads. We like Beautiful. those lame dad jokes. <laughs> so many of them. I remember, you know, my son used to groan when I would do them. And I'm like, just wait. One day, you too will make lame dad jokes. And, and he starts to. He's doing it now. He's doing it. But no, what he'll say is, oh, no, my, my jokes are not lame dad jokes. They are superior. Of course they are. <laughs> I, I'm really glad, you know, I know you went through quite an episode here with the heart attack. You've, uh, you've dropped a lot of weight and I, I can see how in this new film you've written your story, you know, clearly into that. Yeah, guess where I got the idea for Clerks 3 from, kids? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, which, which I think is fantastic because you do tend to look at things differently. I, I had a, a hospital scare last year where I thought I was having a heart attack. Turns out I just had some inflammation, but I experienced something that was like, okay, this could, you know, you never know. This could be it. And and how have I lived my life? And have I brought value? And I was able to look back and go, okay, if this is it, I'm good. But uh, we're here still, right? We're roaming yeah. the planet. We're making stuff. We're having fun. And, and we're not going to stop until uh, that last breath. We're living on borrowed time. That's why I always tell my wife after the heart attack, I was like, I'm living on borrowed time. She's like, that's a really grim thought. I was like, Jen, you're living on borrowed time too. I'm just painfully acutely aware of it now that I've seen the end so fucking close and stuff. And so post heart attack, you know, I, I used to, you try so very hard to be your own person, but you know, uh, as a creative, you're often influenced or vexed um, as much as, you know, fueled by uh, outside like criticism. People being like, you suck, this sucks, he's always sucked, blah, blah, blah. So sometimes that has kept me from doing things, you know, as previously mentioned. Sometimes it's kept me from trying a thing I've wanted to try. Because even though I like fucking know better, because I made clerks and I know shit could work out, there's still a piece of me, a very, you know, fucking normal human piece of me that reacts to people being like, you're stupid for doing that, or people who try to scare you off of something and stuff. So, for me, post heart attack, that doesn't exist anymore. Now I don't give a shit. Like, you know, and not in a way where I'm like, I don't give a shit about you. But if somebody's like, you're a fucking idiot, I'm like, I know, but I'm still going to do the thing that I'm going to do because my whole life, that's my whole career, rather, that's what I've been doing. Like, not the thing that makes sense or the popular thing or the financially, you know, fucking um, fruitful thing. I always go for the space that like, well, this, I've not done this. This seems cool. So post heart attack, pre heart attack, I don't know that I would have dove in to the world of NFTs. Um, post heart attack, the idea of having a gallery where I could showcase talent. And this is weird. I talked about it on another show, but like 
the, Nate Gonzalez, who does our artwork for Fat Man Beyond, all the, the podcasts that me and Mark Bernard do. Every week he does different artworks, real gorgeous stuff. Nate is like one of my favorite people in the world because he draws me every week and it's usually as a Marvel or DC character and, and, and I love that shit. But, you know, he's, we pay him for his art, but like he, he he's worth more. I know what other artists get paid out in the world for commissions and shit like that. And because he's young, you know, he's he's not where he could or should be. So I've been a big supporter for a long time. And when the NFT conversation started, Nate was who I was thinking of the whole time because I'm like, Nate can put his pieces in the gallery and people, because he's got a fucking volume of Fat Man Beyond artwork and they could be NFTs and like the people who have loved his artwork can buy it and he can walk away with like some real money. And I'm not talking about he's going to make people's money, but like, you know, a lot of people don't seem to realize that in, in, in the world of NFTs, there are transactions going on all the time that you'll never hear about because they're not gigantic, but there are artists making a living off of regular work at small sums and stuff. So I was like, this is a way that Nate, because I'm always like, how can we pay Nate more? Because he's just a good kid and he's really great at art and shit. And if I had more money as a company, I'd hire him as our company artist with a salary. But instead, he just gets paid per gig, like a gig economy worker. So like with this, I was like, this is a chance for like me to showcase Nate and for Nate to get paid very well for what he does incredibly well. So like, it's weird that like, you know, I saw some people online, you know, like, oh, you just cash grab. I'm like saying a cash grab, at least not for me. Money's not that important to me. Yeah, like, we important. don't listen to those people. No, we no. The idea of like showcasing like this kid who's so damn good at what he does and that he could create his own place and his own shingle in life. That kind of became a driving factor for me. And like for every Nate I know, there's more artists just like that who for years have been drawing me and my friends. And I'm like, well, here's your chance to come in and play. And I get to showcase you. That's awesome. Kevin, we're, we need to wrap here in a second because I know you got some other uh, interviews to do, but I just want to point people towards the website where they're going to be able to get these NFTs. It's semcore.io, S-E-M-K-H-O-R.io. When you go here and scroll down, you'll see right here, Jay and Silent Bob's first collection of smoking tokens and just click on the uh, there and check these out right here. These Wait are a second, available. available on April 21st. Why were they not available on April 20th? <laughs> fucking travis i asked the same question bro what the hell you're a day I away same right. question. i was like we can't dial this back one more day no. and david, like, no. david said technologically speaking we cannot go he's we like we cannot do it on 420 no. this is not possible yeah, everybody's gonna be stoned it's, it's that day so we can't release anything right? <laughs> exactly if we drop it on 420 people do stone to remember it's happening that's it's good. happening on the 21st, gang, not 420. So if you wake up on the 21st, go, oh, man, I missed 420. You didn't miss it. 21st, miss it. you got the orange token, 450 available. You got the green token, 610. The yellow token, 300 available. The purple token, there's 75 of them. And Is you that the purple purple token? The purple, yes, it is total purple and purple. We went with purple <laughs> like Blunt Man, but that would have been better. <laughs> you get all four with a signed smoking token t-shirt. The platinum token is this one. This gets you one. Uh, there's three of these that get you uh, in on the cameo. And then two of them are going to drop randomly from these other colors. So you could purchase the orange one and end up getting the cameo token for the platinum. Then you've got the Kilroy teaser token right here. 
and the Blunt Men and Chronic Classic cover number one right here. Uh, you guys go go pick these up. You need to get your Phantasma chain wallet at phantasma.io. Uh, Kevin, we really it's good to get to know you. Um, appreciate you coming on, and I need you oh. to give a I need you to give a shout out to Will and to Bitcoin Bro. Will and Bitcoin Bro, this is Kevin Smith, aka Silent Bob, and all those terrible Jane Silent Bob type pictures, man. And I go crypto. Awesome. Hey, hang tight for just a second, man. Everybody watching this, we're actually got a double shot of shows today coming up at five. We've got our regularly scheduled nifty show and we'll catch you guys there travis say goodbye you know what kevin smith i want to say thank you so much for coming on here man that was a great pleasure brother so fun man i'll be back if you guys uh, ever need me again man or want to talk to me I, I could talk to you guys about this stuff all well, we're day. part of the vsq universe now right yeah heavens yeah oh, we're gonna start showing up everywhere now <laughs> well don't and don't forget if you sell that nft i want a taste of the joel and travis jane silent bob oh. Yeah. All right, we'll catch you guys in a little bit. Bye.